Today on Bread for the Broken with James Grizzle, pastor of Calvary Chapel, Galveston. This idea of this adoption of sons, it's talking about like, this is what you are placed into. This isn't what you attain to. This isn't what you become, so to speak, or you work towards. This is what God has placed you into. So if you are walking around as an immature believer, that's on you. That's not God's fault. That's your fault. If you're still walking around with a bottle in your hand, so to speak, and you're only feasting on the milk, that's on you. Today, Pastor James will share with you about how Jesus adopted each and every person who accepts the free gift of salvation. Jesus died a horrific death on the cross so that those who are outside of his family can be adopted into the family. This adoption isn't something that we can work for or do enough religious tasks for. It's freely given to us by our good and loving Father. He's not an earthly father. He'll never mess up, hurt you, yell, or do anything to harm you. He's perfect, and you're His. Now here's Pastor James in the book of Galatians chapter 4 with today's edition of Bread for the Broken. If you don't mind, turn to Galatians chapter 4. This one's a fascinating chapter from Galatians. Uh, It it really deals with a lot of, um, well, it kind of deals with one subject matter, basically. Um, And it's essentially, it's it's how do you view God, right? Um, I have this book. My friend gave it to me. My dear friend, Doug Gim up in Amarillo, Texas, gave this book to me as a gift. And it says, Not Forsaken by Louis Giglio. And... uh, it's finding freedom as sons and daughters of a perfect father, okay? So he had given this to me uh, about a year and a half ago, and uh, I've, I've read through it um, about as well as a, a person with ADD can do with a book, um, which means I jumped all over different chapters and stuff. That's how I read books, okay? So um, it's hard for me to start from page one and go all the way to the end. But I was just reading through this, and I was reminded as, as we're going through chapter four, and we're going to see some elements of... Uh, just who God is and and how we think of him, how we perceive him and all that stuff. Um, And Louis pointed out some things within this book called Not Forsaken. And it talks about how as God God is our father. uh, And one of the quotes that he mentioned in there was from A.W. Tozer when he he said uh, from the book, The Knowledge of the Holy, the, the first thing that comes to your mind when you think about God is the most important thing about you. Okay, so, so I can throw that out there. When I reference God, God the Father, um, what, what immediately comes to your brain? And some of the examples that he threw out was um, you got like Grandpa God, right, who lives somewhere way up there, and he's got this extremely long beard, and uh, he's kind of out of touch with modern times and society, but, you know, he's like that grandfatherly, kind of nice, somewhat nice, kind of grumpy at times kind of a guy, right? Um, so there's that element of him, but then there's also the, um, some people when you mention God, the thought that comes to their brain is scorekeeper God. Like he's the guy who's got the, he's got the checklist with him at all times and he's watching you. And, uh, you know, he's, he's somewhat excited when you do the right thing, but he's, he gets really excited when you do the wrong thing. And he's making that, he's making those checks, right? Um, 
sometimes that comes into people's mindsets. Uh, there's the angry God, okay, that he's just mad and he's looking to punish people all the time. Uh, so there's, there's that, there's the, um, hipster God, which is, you know, slash, you know, the, the cool, kind of like a barista, uh, kind of like a, you know, a, a scholarly theologian kind of a God, right? So that's how sometimes people would perceive them. There's the buddy God, right? The, the fist bump God that, you know, you can just say, Hey, what's up God to all the time. And you're, you're on good terms, right? So there, sometimes that comes into people's minds. And this is a whole list that he's, he's given there. There's the, the non-God God, um, where people are like, we don't really believe in God, but sure, there might be something that's out there, but we really don't believe in it. So he went through this whole list of like all these different kind of mental images that, that pop in our mind when we think of who God is. And Galatians chapter four tells us that for the believer, it's very clear as to who God is. And and, and I think sometimes a lot of believers, we live in a, we, man, we live in such an oppressive state of being because we don't really fully embrace who God actually is within our lives. Um, it's too easy for us sometimes as believers to, uh, to bear in mind or, or to keep at the forefront of our brain um, that God is, he's, he's the rule, he's the scorekeeper God. Right, I woke up this morning, did you do your devotions? Well, you didn't do your devotions. Okay, that's a check in the bad column, right? And then you're like, well, I gotta make sure I do them by the end of the day because I wanna get that check in the good column. And oftentimes so many believers are, are placed in, in self-imposed prisons because, because of how we view God. And Paul's been wa- working, you know, kind of through an argument with the people of the, the churches there in Galatia and, and communicating to these guys who have turned their back on the grace of God um, and, and now he's going to, he's making it very practical and, and, and very personal in just talking about who God is. So verse one of chapter four, he just picks up the argument. Okay. He, he's just continuing on from chapter three. It says, now I say that the heir, as long as he is a child, does not differ at all from a slave, though he is a master of all, but is under guardians and stewards until the time appointed by the father. Right. So he, he's going through this argument that was found back in um, chapter three where he says, listen, um, you know, uh, let me, I'm going to pull it up real quick. He says, you're all sons of God through, through faith in Jesus Christ, right? That's what, that way, that's what makes you a, a child of God. He says, for many of you who were baptized into Christ have put on Christ. There is neither Jew nor Greek, nor, there's neither slave nor free, male nor female. You are all one in Christ. And if you're Christ, then you're Abraham's seed, heirs to the promise. So he, he, he's going off of this, this notion that, well, you're part of his family, and so he say, he's, he's laying out a very elementary kind of application point saying, so let's assume you have a ton of money, right? And you have a child and you, you have already deemed that child as the inheritor of all that you own. Now you would be a fool if you let that child just run free and do whatever they want to do, right? So within your home, you have rules and regulations for your child until they come of age. And you're definitely not going to pass over or hand over your, your debit card or your checkbook or, or whatever it is to a child. You, you, you don't do that, right? You don't give them their inheritance. And we have a really cool example from the prodigal son, right? He asked, he demanded his inheritance. And what did he do with it? He went and he just blew it all. He spent it all on wild living and all that stuff and ended up just blowing it all and had nothing left to show for it. The beauty of that story was there was a heaven, there was a father 
who was waiting with open arms for this kid to return back to him, okay? So Paul's saying, he's like, listen, as an heir, as long as he's a child, he doesn't differ, doesn't differ from a slave. So basically it's like, listen, you, you just do what you're told. When you're in the household of God, you belong to the family of God, you do this, you just, you do what you're told. But there's a, there is a distinction there, okay? I mean, slaves, slaves don't get to call their, their boss. They're not going to call their boss Abba or Papa. They're just not going to do that. That's, that wasn't uh, kosher, so to speak. But he says, but as a child, you're being guided and directed, right? And so that's verse two. It says, but this, this child, this heir is under a guardian and stewards until the time appointed by the father. It says, even so, when we are children, we're in bondage under the elements of the world. But when the fullness of time had come, God sent forth his son, born of a woman, born of a virgin, okay? Born of a woman, born under the law to redeem those who were under the law that we might receive the adoption as sons. So what Paul is saying there is, he's like, look, he's like, we're all slave, you know, we're all children. You're, if, if Jesus is your Lord, your Lord and Savior, you're a child of God, um, you've been brought into the family. Uh, but he's also, he's communicating to uh, these, he's, his main audience is Gentiles, but he's communicating to him. He's like, listen, you had a, this, this tutor that was leading you towards freedom. Basically, the tutor can never give you freedom. Uh, the law can never, never give you freedom, but it was only, only meant to cause you to mature and to grow. And then essentially it was going to lead you towards freedom. It says when the fullness of time had come, when the time was exactly right, uh, world history wise and all that stuff, when everything had lined up perfectly, that's when Jesus came. Okay. So when it all worked out, like it, that's when he showed up, born of a woman, born under the law. He, he fulfilled the law. He fulfilled all the requirements of the law um, so that we might receive adoption as sons. Okay, so you're born into the family of God through your faith in Jesus Christ. And then this adoption concept that's being talked about here um, in the Roman world, when it talks about this adopting, it, it's, it's not necessarily speaking so much though as you're adopting a baby. Uh, the notion here is almost that you're adopting a full-grown, mature individual to be the heir of all that you have. Okay, so that's, that's what's being talked about here. Paul is saying, we, we received this adoption, number one, because Jesus stood in our place. So this adoption is only has only been made available because of the fact that Jesus has taken our place in order to provide a place for us in the family of God. So when he died on the cross, that was him taking our place and our punishment upon himself so that we might be a part of the family of God, so that you may also be an heir to all that's been made available. We'll talk a lot about that in a second. But so Paul's walking these guys through this whole process, these Gentile believers. He's like, this is what happened when you got saved. This is what happened. This is who you are. And this whole chapter, is, it's, it's all about the fact that it's kind of an identity, um, addressing the identity, because these guys had lost focus on who they were. They, they had these false teachers that came in, these Jews that had come in, and they said, no, no, listen, you can't. Um, I know Paul says this. I know Paul says that you're a, you're a child of God if you place your faith and trust in Jesus. But he was wrong because there's more to it than that, okay? So it's, it's, it's almost as if like, yeah, you're, you're almost there, but you're not quite there, is what they were saying to these guys. And so they were being distracted 
and they were being misled by these religious guys who were saying, no, you got to do, you have to be circumcised because if you're not circumcised then you're not really part of the family, right? It's like going to Disneyland and the family's all wearing the same t-shirt, which is to me a nightmare. Okay. So, um, but it's like, well, if I'm not wearing the t-shirt, well, you're not part of the family. Well, no, I am part of the family. I don't have to wear the same t-shirt, right? We know Paul, these, these religious guys come in and they say, no, 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 Paul had it all wrong. Paul had it all wrong. And so Paul's coming back and saying, no, listen, it's simply through your faith in Jesus that got you into the family. Now, it even goes beyond that because you're not just a child of God, you're an heir, an heir. And, and this adoption as sons is really speaking of those who are your, your mature believer. So that's, that goes into, you know, when the, the author, uh, human-wise, I know, I know it's spirit-inspired, but the book of Hebrews, more than likely it was Paul who wrote that thing. That's why that, the notion would be brought up of like, why are you guys still sucking on a bottle? You're grown up. You're grown up. And he's basing that off of this principle of like, you've been adopted as sons, now, don't get crazy on me with that, that word there, sons, because it's not gender. It's not talking about like a gender specific. It's talking about so you could sons and daughters. What it's basically saying is you're, it's children, mature children in the family of God. You've reached this age. In the Jewish culture, there were a few rules that they had concerning uh, kids. And I, I'm going to use that word kids there. You'll, you'll laugh at it in a second. But they had a few rules, like uh, they didn't want kids reading Song of Solomon, okay? And if you've read Song of Solomon, you're like, yeah, I kind of, I know why, right? It's a beautiful book, an amazing book. You should read it. Um, they also didn't want them reading the chapter one of Ezekiel until they were of age. Well, what does of age mean in the Jewish culture? It's not when they're 13 and have their bar mitzvah. No, of age or mature means when you turn 40. And... I, you can have, there's an, I'm sure there's plenty of amens to that, especially if you have kids, right? I just turned 41, I think, yeah, this year. Um, and I could agree that. I'm like, yeah, 40, that sounds about right. That's, I think I'm kind of maturing a little bit now. Um, so, but they had these rules set in place to where they're like, no, 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 you're not really like, you haven't come of age or a mature individual until you hit, cross that line of 40, <laughs> right? So this, this idea of this adoption of sons, it's talking about like, this is what you are placed into. This isn't what you attain to. This isn't what you become, so to speak, or you work towards. This is what God has placed you into. So if you are walking around as an immature believer, that's on you. That's not God's fault. That's your fault. If you're still walking around with a bottle in your hand, so to speak, and you're only feasting on the milk, that's on you. That's not because God hasn't allowed you to grow up. Or he's given you everything that you need to become a mature believer. He's, in fact, he's adopted you into the family and put that, that stamp on you, so to speak. But it's on us to act like mature believers. It's on us. It's on us to do our homework. It's on us to read the word. It's on us not to skip over parts of the Bible that we don't understand because we don't understand or to skip over them because we don't agree with them. It's on us to grow up and to act like grown-ups within the Christian community. A mature believer is a ridiculous thing. And that's not God's fault. That's our fault. 
So this adoption of sons, this is like beyond like children of God. This is like, no, you're an adopted heir into the family of God. You got to embrace that. So part of that is like understanding how he sees you. This is part of how he sees you. But you really have to understand who he is. He goes on to say, as he's instructing these, these individuals, verse 6, it says, Because you are sons, God has sent forth the spirit of, of his son. Now, note the beautiful trinity here. You got God, you got the Holy Spirit, and you have his son, who is Jesus Christ. He says, God sent forth his spirit, the Holy Spirit, of his son into your hearts, crying out, Abba, Father. Like the most beautiful phrase one of the most beautiful phrases in, in the Bible. One of the most elementary phrases within the Bible as well. And, and nobody, nobody would have, would have thought or had the idea or even the boldness to, to call God Almighty Abba Father, except for one person. Well, two, because the Apostle Paul. But there was a guy before him who referenced God Almighty as the Father a hundred and about 190 times in the Gospels. And his name is Jesus. He showed up and he kept talking about God Almighty as the Father, your Father, your Father, your Heavenly Father. Even when he taught his disciples how to pray, he's like, oh, you want to you wanna know how to pray? Pray like this. Um, my Father, our Father who is in heaven, he, he made it so personal and he totally stripped away all this, uh, this sanitary religious type notions of like, listen, when you, go, when you go to God, you better have a healthy respect and reverence and fear of who he is. Absolutely. But you better also understand that if Jesus is your savior, you're going to God the Father as your Abba, as your Papa. It's as simple as that. And it's as beautiful as that. It's as intimate as that. Jesus, Jesus showed up and he's like, listen, he's, that's our Papa. That's our Abba. God is our Abba. Well, no, I, but I, I've always been taught that. I mean, he's up there and he's like, he's just, you know, he's just waiting. He's got like, you know, those, those thunderbolts in his hand that we saw a couple of nights ago as, as they were lighting up the sky, right? He's just waiting to blast me with one of those things. And it's like, well, what... What has led you to, to live your life that way? What, what has led you to put that onto God? What was your family like growing up? Did you have like a mean dad? And are you translating what your earthly father, how he fathered you and you're putting that onto God? Because that's not fair. It's not fair to God. And it's unfortunate for, I mean, we live in a broken world. That's the reality. We live in a broken world. And there are no perfect families, and there are no perfect parents, and there are no perfect scenarios. But we have a perfect father, and he's God Almighty, and he is our Abba and our Papa, and he is nothing like our earthly fathers. And, that, and you could have the best earthly father out there, but he doesn't compare. He doesn't compare to the heavenly father that you have. And Paul's saying, he's like, look, you belong to God. The Holy Spirit lives inside you. And it's only because the Holy Spirit that, that, who lives inside you that you can make this, this cry of Abba, Father. If the Holy Spirit doesn't live inside of you, then you can't, you can't claim him as your Abba. 
Well, how do I get the Holy Spirit in me? You surrender to Jesus. He's your Lord and Savior. Holy Spirit takes up residence inside of you. You begin to pray different. You begin to, to think differently. And Paul's saying, you guys know this. I showed up. I preached the gospel to you. I showed Jesus so clearly to you guys. It was if, it was if you were there. And this is the reality of who you are. You belong to God. He's your father. He's your papa. He's your Abba. The moment we get that set straight within our hearts and our minds, that's the moment we start living differently. We start understanding that, man, that this, this great and awesome God who is good luck trying to understand every aspect of him because you're never going to, that he loves you that much and that he loves you that intimately. That's how you should see God. That changes how you pray. That should change how we pray. Because when I think of like an Abba, a heavenly Papa, so to speak, I'm, I'm not going to him making sure that I have like perfect King James language in my prayer dialect, right? It's not like, um, okay, I got to make sure I get this right, you know, and I'm a little, you know, I'm a little rusty with my these and my thous, but I, if I can line them all up just right, I'm sure he'll hear me. I'm sure he'll answer me, right? And, it, it, and it's not like that at all. Or it's like, okay, so today's been good so far. I haven't really blown it, at least to my knowledge, um, that much today. So, uh, so, okay, if I can go, if I start praying right now, then, then, then God and I, we're on good terms and, and he'll hear me. That's, that's just a false idea of who God is and how he works. Because when I see this, when I think about him as an Abba, as a Papa, I think of somebody who's just, he's just there. He's like, look, come to me come to me. Let's hang out. Let's talk. And, and I don't want to be, you know, I, I'm not encouraging you to be, you know, irreverent towards him at all. You don't need to say, you know, it's not like you start your prayers off with like, hey, what's up, pops, you know, or anything like that. Um, but there, there's, there is a healthy reverence to God of like, Abba, Papa. Just a, a beautiful, simple, childlike relationship with God. Hey, God, Hey, Father. Hey, Papa. Hey, Abba. I'm here. And he's like, hey, let's hang out. Let's hang out. You, you can, I think you can envision what, the, what, that, what that looks like. Um, just, you know, you can imagine like the best case scenario of what that would be of just maybe that father-like figure just embracing you. Just embracing you. Embracing you for who you are for who you are. He knows all about you. He knows the mistakes. He knows all the stuff. There's, there's just, no, he's just, get in here. Let me embrace you. Let me love on you. Let me hug you. Let's talk. What do you, what do you got going on? As if he doesn't know, right? What, let's talk. Give me your stuff, right? First Peter talked about that. Peter himself, as inspired by the Holy Spirit, said, cast all your cares on the God. Why? Because he cares about you. That's a Abba. That's a Papa. That's not some God who's distant, who's out of touch with humanity. No, that comes from an Abba and a Papa who is so in tune with your life. He's saying, listen, I know you're bur burdened with wearies. I know you got a lot of stress in your life. If you would, just come and hang out with me. Just give them to me. I'll take them from you. That's a beautiful papa. That's what that is. But that's who he is. Oh, oh, oh.
That's all we have time for today on Bread for the Broken. Pastor James has more to share from this study in the book of Galatians, so be sure to join him next time. Just because our time with you is over for today, though, it doesn't mean that you have to stop studying God's Word. We encourage you to pick up your own Bible and dive in wherever God leads you. Each page you read will be life-giving and reveal new things about your Creator. If you ever have any questions or would like to request prayer, please connect with us. You can visit breadforthebroken.com and click on Contact. We have a form there that you can fill out and submit, and we'll get back to you as soon as we can. We love hearing from our listeners. Are you in the Galveston area? If so, come join us to worship and study the Bible. Calvary Galveston meets each Sunday at 10 a.m. and Wednesdays at 7 p.m. And you can get all the information you need at breadforthebroken.com. Just click on the About tab. If you aren't in the area or you're just not able to be with us in person during this season, that's okay. We're streaming live on Facebook. Just search for Calvary Galveston, or you can head to our church webpage to connect. Before we officially close our time with you today, we'd like to invite you to be a part of what we're doing. Would you prayerfully consider supporting the ministry of Bread for the Broken financially? All amounts given are appreciated, and you can donate securely through our website, breadforthebroken.com. Thanks for supporting us, and thanks for tuning in to Bread for the Broken. Let me paint the picture of you, man, the one love that ain't given.